Good morning. It's a Thursday. It's Kale and Company live here on WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in the Capital Region, 101.9 FM in Manchester and beyond, and streaming around the world and around the clock on nhtalkradio.com. And uh, delighted to have with us today in studio, Anise Jasmine Sayers. And Anise is the director of the International Visitors Program through the World Affairs Council of New Hampshire. And uh, welcome to the show, Anise. Great to have you with us. Thank you. Oh. Thank you so much for having us, it for is, having me. It is, it is uh, my pleasure. And uh, first of all, I guess we'll, we'll get to the basics and uh, ask you, uh, what is the International Visitors Program? Uh, this particular program is one of the exchange programs that are run through the Department of State. So there are a hand, well, there's quite a lot of them, but this is what the Department of State considers their premier exchange program. And what it does is it brings up-and-coming current leaders from around the world to the U.S. on a two- to three-week journey going to anywhere from three to six different communities throughout the U.S., big, small, meeting with resources. So they are all based on a topic, a theme. They may know each other in their countries. They may not know each other in their countries. It may be a group of individuals from multiple countries, but they are having an opportunity to meet with professionals and talk about best practices and solutions. So if you think about it, it's, it's, it, you know, it's not just helping us in communication and learning about the world. It's helping them to learn about these opportunities and the creations in the organization so they can also excel in their own civilization. Mm-hmm. So it, it is uh, related to the State Department. It is related to the State Department in the sense that it is a government-funded exchange program. And, and in theory, it's taxpayers. So you and I help fund this to bring these individuals. This program's been around since 1940. Um, it is working to cultivate that understanding with the world and beyond. If you've ever had... You have a neighbor. You don't know that neighbor. That neighbor is completely different from you. You don't learn anything about that neighbor until you have communication and a dialogue. And this program helps to provide those opportunities for these dialogues. Now, the great part about it, you get to know your neighbor. Next thing you know, next summer you're having a barbecue. You're doing things. So the idea is to build this opportunity to not only get to know that person, but I mean, even an opportunity of doing something in the future together, collaborations beyond so, um, I, you know, that's always one part that I love is what we call the exchange effect. You know, how can we affect, how can they affect us and how can we affect them to become better people? And this is all through the World Affairs Council uh, of New Hampshire. And, yes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, are there, I, I am assuming there are World Affairs Councils of most states or many states? Um, yes and no yeah, okay. on that question. Okay. So there is a, to give you a better idea of IVLP, think of it as a pyramid. At the top of the pyramid, you have the State Department and you have embassies. Mm-hmm. These ideas and themes are created, whether involving multiple countries or single countries. So there could be an agenda on a particular country. Mm-hmm. Um, one story I love to tell is a 2019 group from Saudi Arabia. And in this particular group, they had just recently passed legislation where they needed to create a curriculum, physical education curriculum for girls. Okay. So they already have one for boys, mm-hmm. but now legislation was passed. 
So the country investigated 10 different models and found that the U.S. resembled theirs the closest. So this IVLP project was created at the embassy. We put in a proposal. You know, we had an opportunity. They came to New Hampshire. They met with public schools. They met with private schools, Boys and Girls Club. Opportunities to know how us as a state work with kids in, edu- in physical education. So now think five, ten years, however long it takes, something in the news where you hear Saudi Arabia is now implementing their first physical education for girls, you can now know New Hampshire helped play a little part in advancing that country. You know, right. And there are so many more stories like this. Oh, but anyways, I'm sure. yeah. so these themes, they come up, and there's maybe about 1,000 of them a year. We have about 5,000 visitors that come to the U.S. on this program. Mm-hmm. We have then what's called national program agencies that help to administer it through what's called the Global Ties Network. So the funds come in from them. They're administered to them. Now myself, I'm what's called a community-based member. There are 90 of us throughout the U.S., I am the only one in New Hampshire. Depending on a state and depending on resources, they may have more. Massachusetts right next to us. You have World Boston and you have one in Springfield, Massachusetts. Some of us are global ties. Some of us are diplomacy. Some of us are American, you know, World Affairs Councils. In a sense, there are a variety of organizations, but we all help to administer what we refer to as the IVLP program. And you are the one and only in our state, in the Granite State, <laughs> yes. in the Granite State. Yes. And the International Visitors Program uh, is is considered uh, the world's premier exchange program. That is what they say. Yeah. That is what they say. You know, one thing that I found out. So there is a second exchange program I run called Open World Leadership. And the one two thing, the one thing about those two particular programs, they are the only exchange programs that individuals are nominated. So they don't even get to apply for it. So think of the individuals that get to come from all walks of life. You don't have to have a prestigious family or be in a prestigious position or a school or anything like that. You can be anybody and everybody. If somebody in your country or your embassy sees value for you to participate on this program, you're nominated. And then you're paired together with the right kind of program that works for you within your topic or field. How long has the program been around? 1940. 1940? Yep. So it goes way back. Oh, yes, it does. It does. And the council itself, I think it was 1954 when we started. It originally started from a professor at the University of New Hampshire who ran the World Affairs Council of New Hampshire for, I believe, and don't hold me to it, like 30 years. It was a while until he retired. And then it kind of dwindled. And then a few other people attempted to pick it up. And then... I think it was about 15 years ago, we really came back full. My executive director, Tim Horgan, I think he's been with the council 13, 14 years now, but he came on board to do education and then ended up stumbling into IVLP. And it was probably the best collaboration. We, at that point, maybe had five groups a year. Now we get up to 40. Wow. So there's a huge difference. We are, for all the CBMs throughout the whole U.S., the State Department loves bringing them to New Hampshire. We are a beautiful, small community. Our community embraces these visitors. They have an opportunity to rub elbows with politicians. Yeah. You know, right. I, sure. I, I mean, just anything and everything. But we do 
and I could list off all kinds of types of programming. But yeah. Well, the state is so diverse, really, with what it has to offer mm-hmm. from a, a business and a political perspective. Absolutely. Well, think you've got to teach everything. It could be preventing domestic violence. Yep, it could sure. be a democracy. It could be good governance. It could be transparency and accountability. Yep. You know, figure all of these themes and topics. While we don't know everything and we also say that we don't know everything, there's a perception that America is perfect. We're far from perfect. Yeah. You know, we're climbing that ladder just like everyone else. So when they see the reality of it, we're more human. Well, it's it's very intriguing, and we will find out a whole lot more as, as we continue. What was the path that led you uh, <laughs> to your to your current post? Um, mine's kind of a unique path. I have been in the service industry for a long time. I actually had been in the limousine industry for about twenty years. Limousine industry. Oh yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yes. I started as a chauffeur. You know, really? six wow. and a half years driving those big boys and all that. Um, I ended up doing weddings and liked being able to be accessible. So I went to school for wedding and event planning, and. Through time, I ended up becoming the operations manager of the second largest company, which might be contending with the largest right now, but Great Bay Limousine out in Portsmouth. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I worked for them for about nine years running that company and ended up getting a phone call from Tim for transportation. So for eight years, I provided the logistical transportation until he got promoted. Wow. And then it was time for a change. And now you're the director of the International Visitors Program Yes. through the World Affairs Council of New Hampshire. And East Jasmine Sayers is with us, and we'll find out a whole lot more about the program coming up in the next little while right here on Kale & Company Live on WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 1019 FM in Manchester and beyond, and streaming around the world and around the clock on nhtalkradio.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Kale and Company Live for this Thursday. And very pleased to have with us Anise Jasmine Sayers, Director of the International Visitors Program through the World Affairs Council of New Hampshire. And uh, Anise, just so we reintroduce uh, people who may just be uh, tuning in, uh, the idea is to bring uh, current and emerging leaders, uh, uh, international leaders from around the world who experience all the United States, and specifically in this case, uh, New Hampshire, has to offer. Yes, on a short term, so they're considered a a short-term visit to the U.S., um, there's two main parts of it. The main part is a professional part of it, getting them an opportunity to meet with resources. Um, In about a week and a half, we have a group investigating um, human and civil rights in marginalized communities, and this is three individuals from Belarus. So we're meeting with a variety of different organizations highlighting um, the refugee community, the LGBTQ community, the homeless community, talking with the Human Rights Commission. So, so again, that professional part is essential because they're getting an opportunity to see what we do around these topics, how we're doing it. Uh, you know, our resources don't, as I've said this before, they don't always have it. So a lot of times our resources are also learning stuff from them. So it's a cross dialogue. Um, the second part of this program is 
the perception of Americans. If you think about it, what do you think of people around the world? If you don't know them, your perception is, you know, your perception is formed by what you see on TV. You know, we had a a group, and this is previous to me, that came to the U.S. and thought all Americans were cowboys because they watched Westerns. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but again, they didn't realize until they were exposed. So the perception of Americans getting to know Americans is just as important as those resources because you're helping to build those relationships and that better understanding. Now, uh, someone told me, uh, a reliable source told me you've been with this organization now for four and a half years. Yes. And uh, how was this organization and uh, the program you're specifically involved in, the International Visitors Program, uh, affected by COVID? Ooh, Um, Well, I will tell you that Thursday when the world shut down and all the airports, I had a group of 27 coming to our state, and I had not programmed as hard for any other group. I had well over nine meetings. We Mm. had six home hospitalities a week and a cultural. Basically, just like everyone, the whole world stopped. You know, yeah. and and the Department of State was very optimistic to say, okay, it's a 30-day pause. Nope. Okay, it's a 60-day pause. Nope, it's a 90-day pause. Um, so basically, what ended up happening is temporarily the program got postponed. They had to think about how they were going to continue this engagement. I mean, think about it. The impo- it, it this this the, what we do is so important. So it doesn't matter what your barriers are. You have to find a way to overcome it. Um, you know, so again, through funding from the department already in the grant that needed to be spent, uh, there was a lot of investment in technology, getting things up to par, and we started doing virtual programming. They collaborated with an organization called Solia, I think they're out of Switzerland, and customized a program for us to learn how to become facilitators online. So so in a typical setting pre-COVID, I might be arranging this meeting, so I bring a group in to talk to you. But I'm going to sit off to the side and they engage in conversation in a virtual realm. Hmm. If you do that, the world, the whole room stays silent. (laughs) 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 So it was very creative. We ended up having our first virtual program. It was actually a few weeks after the COVID, the world shut but to be programmed was following September. And it was kind of throwing everybody to in, into the fire, figure it out, do it. We had, so another barrier we have is not all of our visitors speak English. Okay, yeah. So we have interpreters. Well, Zoom has an interpretation function. So for the next almost two years, we did virtual programming. We virtually met with people, we brought resources, we ended up having virtual social hours where we got to know visitors, we got to see husbands and wives. Oh, that was the best part of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. there was a lot of lot of sad things that happened out of COVID and I'm a person who looks for silver linings mm-hmm. and getting to know people. And the fact that I got to meet the wives, the, ch- the, ch- the husbands, the children. I had a visitor's son play a concerto on the piano. Wow. I had a visitor play a cello. That never would have happened. No, no. You know, so so again, opportunities. Well, this year, now we're fast forwarding. Um, For the first four months of the year, we plugged away with virtual programming. And on April 8th, we were so happy to welcome our first in-person group in two years, a group of five visitors from Spain. It was on global and regional economic cooperation. And it was... I mean, figure you have a lot more 
a lot more things that you have to think about. So COVID testing, mitigating. You don't. You want our visitors to meet our resources, but you want them to be safe. Right. So, yeah. so, so now we had so many more things to think about it, um, and programming wise. Well, you know, again, I am a headfirst type of type of person. So, fast forward, we're now what six months later, I think it is. Yeah. And we've welcomed two hundred and twenty-five visitors into our state. Wow. We've already had and continue to maintain virtual programming, and we've had 69 virtual. Right now, we have three more slated for the end of the year, and when it's all said and done, we will have hosted 369 people, which is more than what we did before COVID. That is really something. So not only did you survive COVID, but you thrived. Yeah. You really didn't shut down for uh, a long period of time. No, I mean, we did for a bit because, you know, you have to think of the right ways to do it. The, yeah. the, you know, the Department of State had to have belief in it. That's another mm-hmm. thing, too, is to get the old boys to make a change. Yeah, it's not easy, <laughs> is it? Uh? <laughs> no, it's not. But they also realized the value of it. And we have a very large alumni network. I mean, we've had over 500 alumni go on to head to state. Margaret Thatcher was one. Wow. Current president wow. of New Zealand is one. You know, so again, there's so much importance that's around it that, and you know, and the funny thing is now fast forward. So I have a group that comes in town and I get an email from, from you saying, uh, I was exposed. I'm not sure. And I'll be like, that's okay. Let's switch to a Zoom meeting. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's always an answer now. And uh, that's very true. It's, it it uh, opened things up quite a bit. And uh, some of those uh, things that, uh, you know, we learned during COVID will continue. I mean, so many people still. Uh, working from home, and uh, will continue to, perhaps for the rest of their careers. I don't know if that's such a great thing or not, but uh, a lot of people are that I know of are still, you know, working from home and and are enjoying it. I I would miss going to a workplace myself, but I, I guess you know you do what you got to do, right? Uh, but you no, know, it was funny in the beginning. We did obviously we are housed on Southern New Hampshire University campus mm-hmm. in Manchester Hooksett area. Yeah, uh, we don't belong to the college. It's just a symbiotic relationship. We are an international nonprofit, so they can use you know. Um, but of course, with the campus, we have to adhere to those regulations, and we were closed. I mean, it wasn't until. The following year, I think it was in July, that we were able to go on campus. Mm. So, yes, I, I'm with you on that. I'm so used to going to an office and having that procedure and just feeling like it. But, you know, mind you, the first, you know, for a week or so, I was like, okay, what am I doing? Yeah. I felt like I, I, oh, I felt like on spring break going, okay, I'm just sitting and I don't have anything to do. Because every time I would put in work into a proposal, things would be postponed. So you didn't know what the work you were supposed to do. Fast forward. Okay, so have you ever heard of something called the Pomodoro Technique? I have not. I have not, but I'd be delighted to, to learn about it. I Yes, I was informed. So, of course, during all of this, I'm doing outreach to visitors and home hosts and um, for testimonials and stuff. And I had a visitor from Venezuela send me a video explaining the Pomodoro Technique, which is tomato. You take a tomato and you cut it in half and you see sections. Okay. So right. you break your day into 30-minute sections. You work for 25, you take a five-minute break. You work for 25, you take a five-minute break. Okay, whether you change your task 
or just come back to it. What you're doing is stepping away and coming back and you're more productive. And, you know, I laughed when I got the video. It was cute. And we shared it on social media and all this. Yeah. But then I tried it a few times. I'm like, okay, this makes sense. This makes sense. Okay, I'll get up. I'll go do the laundry. I'll get up. I'll, yeah. you know, start lunch. But I ended up becoming so much more productive being at home because I didn't have the interruptions that I had at yeah. the office. So cool. it was weird how it turned around. So basically, you work uh, 50 minutes out of every hour. Uh, that's more than most people work. Yes, right? yes. <laughs> Although I'm Speaking not always, for myself. Yeah, I know. I'm yeah. not always so firm on that. But I, you know, I do try to take the breaks and, and have those opportunities to reset my brain. Now, there you go. And we have to take a break. We're going to reset, uh, well, my brain anyway. Your, your, your brain is, is already set. But mine, I don't know. I'm not sure where it is. It's uh, Kale and Company live here on WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in the Capital Region, 1019 FM in Manchester and beyond, and streaming around the world and around the clock on nhtalkradio.com. Our guest is Anise Jasmine Sayers, uh, Director of the International Visitors Program through the World Affairs Council of New Hampshire. We're learning a, a lot today, folks, here on the program, and uh, we'll be back with more right after these words. Don't touch that dial. Welcome back. Kale and Company live for Thursday. Great to have you along with us. And we're chatting today with Anise Jasmine Sayers, a director of the International Visitors Program through the World Affairs Council of New Hampshire. And uh, Anise, we're talking about uh, you know visitors from all walks of life visiting the Granite State. Uh, how are these visitors from across the globe hosted uh, while they're here uh, in New Hampshire? So, okay, so that's the second part. When they come here, we do have hotel accommodations and transportation. So mm -hmm. the thankful part is that while taxpayer money is funding this program, taxpayer money is also coming back to the community. Mm -hmm. I think it was last year that we were able to thoroughly track pre-COVID. We had maybe, I think it was $96,000 in IVLP funding that turned into over $600,000 in economic growth. Wow. wow. So there is a lot for the investment. Now to hosting. So this is the fun part. Um, it's also an opportunity how anyone throughout the state of New Hampshire can get involved. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how big your house is. Doesn't matter where you live. Every so often, I am asked to provide home hospitality dinners. So remember when I said the second part of this important program is the perception of Americans? Right, exactly. What better way than to invite them into your house for a dinner, invite friends, invite family, and get to know them and have these conversations. So we have a home hospitality program. Um, as an example, I have in December, I have a rule of law and judicial system group. And this is a large group. I have 20 visitors coming to the state wow. from all over the country. They all speak English. And I'm asked to do home hospitality dinners. So I'm probably going to be looking for about six to seven homes. So that way I can keep the, small, keep the number small. Yeah. Have yeah. intimate conversations. Sure. Yeah. And it also, I mean... 
Who's to say? I don't know where you live. Do you live in a maybe you live in a 600 square foot apartment and you really can only host one? Maybe you live in a 4,000 square foot house and can host five. Right. I mean, everybody's house is different and nobody is excluded. It doesn't matter your age, as I mentioned, doesn't matter your religion, doesn't matter your or, you know, sexual orientation, doesn't matter any of that. It's it, it's an opportunity for anyone and everybody to have this chance to meet interestingly new people, broaden their horizon to getting to know more you're learning more beyond the, you know, beyond the pond, as I say. Yeah, and broaden yeah. your horizons as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it works both ways, obviously. Oh, absolutely. They're yeah. getting to know about you. They're, you know, you're you're talking about your family. You're feeding them food, and you know, it, it doesn't have to be catered. It. We've had visitors who've. It's been a collaboration where visitors and hosts are cooking a meal together. We've had we've had college students host in dorms. Wow. So again. Anybody and everybody. So how do people get involved in in a program? In, in this email program? me. <laughs> yeah. Email you. Email okay. email or call me. Yeah. Um, and I talk about it. It's it's yeah. really an easy no commitment. I just want an interest of somebody who is interested to get to know about worldly affairs, about people, about people to people diplomacy. And you're put on a home hospitality list. And when I have opportunities, I'm emailing everybody out, and I ask. You know, I'm. I, I try not to jump too quick because I want people to have opportunities. And I also know that not everyone is sitting on their emails. So I wait a couple of days and I'm mm-hmm. waiting for responses. And maybe you're interested, but you don't know. You email me. You let me know. So a spot is held for you. You communicate. You either get them or they get moved on to somebody else. But it's really just a matter of reaching out and saying that you're interested and we have a conversation. And I'm sure there are those who have uh, done it repeatedly. Oh, goodness. I have. I actually have a super host in Bedford, New Hampshire, Jenny and Joe. And they're also such a great host because they will invite curious hosts who've never hosted before. So don't know what's involved. So they'll host a group and they'll invite you over. So that way you can see what the home hospitality dinner is. Yeah. So I have hosts like that, and I have other hosts besides them that do that. Sure. So yes, we do have some of the same people, but again, I'm I want to be more diverse. I want more people. I have hosts in Henniker, hosts in Senape, and Hollis, and Amherst, and Portsmouth, and yes, the Concord and Bedford and Londonderry. You know, I mean, we're all over the place, but it. Again, in Plymouth, I have hosts up in Plymouth. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I want them to have an opportunity and. I want all the New Hampshire people to have opportunity, too. Yeah. If you're interested, let's start talking. No, it's it's a fabulous program to uh, you know give people an opportunity to uh, meet and exchange ideas with people they normally would not be able to do that with. And uh, it, just an amazing program that way. You le- learn so much oh, goodness, during yes. the course of a couple of hour conversation than you could ever learn from uh, the media or uh, finger hunting uh, uh, yeah right exactly <laughs> googling or whatever yeah uh you, but that, that's a terrific uh, opportunity for for some people to well think to, of it this to too yeah oh absolutely fast forward yeah you go to a trip to that country you yeah. now have a friend that's right or a couple exactly friends. <laughs> exactly so no, yes no it makes it makes all the sense in the world it's a you know fabulous idea 
I mean, it really is, and you play it out every day here, or, or mostly every day. <laughs> yes. And, and uh, so you get people coming from uh, diverse backgrounds from all over the world, different uh, businesses uh, that they're involved in, or uh, organizations, and uh, you even include the media. Uh, yep. Yeah, which is vastly different here in this country than it is virtually any place else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it might be fairly, you know, fairly similar in, in places like England and, uh, and Great Britain, perhaps. But in, in many areas of the world, the way the media mm. is structured and, and uh, is governed is uh, much different than it is in, in, in this country. Oh, goodness. Yeah. It's, you know, again, prior to me starting at the council and running IVLP, I was ignorant to the world. Um, you have assumptions that you make off of the things that you see and you don't really know. So, you know, I try not to form those opinions, but we do a lot of Edmund Moreau groups for investigating and journalism. Yeah. So whether we're involving radio or newsprint or um, news, you know, online news outlets, it, when I have when I hear these conversations and I hear our visitors talk, you know, I'm. I'm reminded how lucky we are. And even though we have so much decisiveness and we have so many more people reporting that shouldn't be reporting nowadays, (laughs) you know, we have so much more freedom than they do. You know, their media, news media outlets are controlled in so many governments that, you know, the, the government's controlling it. You have to say what the government does. You can't be honest and talk about this. You, you know, these things, this happens or that happens or, I mean, even, I mean, this is a sore topic, but Russia, you know, I had a group in 2019 on silviculture, so sustainability, and it was my first group from Russia, and I'm learning that internet is closed off and that the news outlets now, you know, just all this stuff. And it's just a realization that that is a country that I have known about my whole life. Other countries I'm learning about and I may not have known about, but it doesn't matter, big or small, there is a different way of life that we don't know. And having these conversations, it builds an understanding and a respect. You know, I've got I've got journalists from, and I still keep in contact. So that's another thing. I'm a social butterfly. So you you follow up. Yeah. <laughs> I love these groups. I love them to follow me on my social media. I love congratulating them. I love laughing with them. I love crying with them when things happen. So it's nice to see the journeys and the stories. And there's a lot of reporters from Turkey and all over the place. And, you know, I'm just so proud to say that I know these people and that they have the courage to continue to report what needs to be reported. You know, it's a different landscape than we know. Yeah, no, it it absolutely is. I I imagine when uh, they first come to this country, they're surprised by the amount of opinion uh, that 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 is out there. You know, uh, one side or the other, and and, uh, you know, which doesn't happen everywhere. Uh, Those things are squashed in 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 most countries around the world. Yes, but uh, but at least in this country, you have the right to express uh, your opinion through the media. 
and that doesn't happen in no. uh, in all of the countries around the world, for yeah. sure. Now, I think one thing that is probably more shocking is that you can have these decisive opinions. And mind you that there are a lot of people that don't, but they can have these interesting, normal conversations and talk about and have a better understanding, even if they don't agree. So that's the other thing is that some countries can't. Right. You know, from different parts. I can't have an open conversation and disagree with you without a fear of life. But they see that that can happen. It can happen. And hopefully one day it will uh, yeah. around the world. That's true. We'll take a quick break here and then be back heading down the home stretch of uh, this edition of Kale and Company. Joined by Anise Jasmine Sayers. She is the director of the International Visitors Program through the World Affairs Council of New Hampshire. And their website is www.wacnh.org. And uh, maybe later on you can tell people how they can get uh, in touch with you. Uh, Absolutely. Directly. Absolutely. All right. We'll look forward to that. And Nice will stay with us. And uh, we'll have more of Kale and Company coming up after these words on WKXL and nhtalkradio.com. Kale and Company live on this Thursday. Joined by the delightful Anise Jasmine Sayers here on the program, director of the International Visitors Program through the World Affairs Council of New Hampshire. And, uh, you know, just uh, talking with you during the break, uh, you're always looking to broaden your horizons, get uh, different businesses and organizations uh, involved uh, in your program. Oh, absolutely. Um, so here's here's the confining part of it is that I will come across a th- bunch of themes and I see these themes and I have to propose organizations and uh, nonprofits and resources and meetings and workshops based off of that. Um, I don't see everything. So that's the thing is that in New Hampshire, we have so many amazing, great organizations mm-hmm. and resources out there, whether it's even government organizations, because we do. Um, I mean, I'm working on a, for my rule of law group, where we've got a round table with Department of Justice and the New Hampshire State Police. So we don't just work with the small entities. We've met with the governor. We, I had a group of governors mm-hmm. from Papua New Guinea, which is the equivalent to our um, our Governor Sununu, and mm-hmm. he got a chance to meet him. Wow. So so, you know, anybody in all walks of life, if, you know, and I would say, again, I, I don't always see this information and I don't always know about these organizations, although I am hunting like crazy and trying to find if, and I would say, if you feel that you have a great organization that's important and whether it's a nonprofit or not, I encourage you, reach out to me. I want to know about you. I want to learn more about you so that way I can include more of our resources because I want to walk down the road and people go, oh, yeah, I know about IVLP. I know about IVLP. Yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. It's yeah. a dream. I wake up, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it, it is uh, a terrific program that I'm certainly finding out uh, a lot about today that uh, I, I didn't know uh, previously. I, I could say that about a lot of topics. <laughs> but this this is certainly one of them. What What is the uh, – and I, I saw this on your, your website – uh, the International Visitor Leadership Program. 
that is the IVLP. Yes. Okay. Yes. That is. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, yeah. um, and, and as I said earlier, there is another program I run, Open World Leadership. This mm-hmm. one is funded through the Library of Congress. Okay. This one is the same concept of um, up and coming current leaders, but they work with post-Soviet countries. And hey. they're oh. trying to, nope, and they're trying to move out of that. That one involves something called homestays, where you're not just inviting for dinner, you're inviting mm-hmm. them to stay at your house stay for over. a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So what are what are some of the things and you mentioned a, a few of them that seem to impress visitors from other lands foreign lands uh, about New Hampshire Okay, the silliest one and the <laughs> sweetest memory that I have was this group from India on domestic violence and 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 they were social workers the individuals healthcare worker journalists so in all different fields well, this this gentleman, as a little boy, his father used to read him a book, and on the front of the book had a daffodil, and he had never in his life seen a daffodil, and it was springtime in New Hampshire, and he got to see his daffodil, and he got it, and he was like a kid frolicking through Main Street in Concord with his daffodil, <laughs> um, you know, and that's just that's just one of those little sweet moments, but I think what surprises people a lot. <clears throat> are number one the accessibility to our government with such a a large state legislation i am meeting with state legislators house members state senators all the time Mm -hmm. whether it is talking about a particular fish and game committee whether you're talking about transparency and accountability as a whole so that's always something they find so fascinating is that you could be walking down a street in new hampshire and rub elbows with someone who's in politics Um, the community the fact that you know a lot of people say oh i want to go to new york or boston why new hampshire but then they come here and they smell our air, and they meet our people, and they go, why, I am so glad I came here. I don't want to go to Boston. You know, because I think while I love a city, you want a real feeling of what America is, you go to a small community, you know, and that's important. What else do our visitors find important? Um, You know, a lot of times it's just making connections and collaborations. In 2018, we had another group on human trafficking. And this was ironically from India as well. Um, And a young lady, we ended up meeting with an organization in Durham called the Freedom Cafe. And if you're not familiar with it, this cafe is the purpose is to bring awareness around human trafficking. And it's a fair trade cafe. So it's more of a donation, even mm-hmm. though they say, please pay this, you donate. And, you know, I brought them there to have a conversation with Brian to talk about the cafe and its mission, why it's doing what it's doing and how it's evolved over the years. She stepped foot in that cafe and, and I actually started crying and I wasn't sure what it was. And I asked her and she said, I always had a dream of a cafe like this. So she walked into her dream. Well, you know, the fascinating part about that, fast forward, it was, um, I believe with United Way, I'm not quite sure Tim would remember this exactly, money was raised and two of the young ladies came here for a three-month internship and worked at the cafe to get to know how to do it. Right. Yeah. And I was, yeah. So again, these and and this was and those individuals didn't participate. She did, but she saw the value of it. Yeah. 
You wow. know, um, we also have, there's also something called the um, speakers program through the Department of State. So any of our resources, and I encourage this with all our visitors, you find one of our resources extremely valuable, that State Department will make sure that person comes out to your country to have some kind of a conference, a talk, or whatever you find of value to share that expertise and knowledge. So wow. just because you hop on a plane and leave our state, that's not where the collaboration start, stops. Mm. We want that collaboration to continue going. It's a very diverse program. There's no doubt about it. It is. But, it is. And and you, you talked about Global Ties. Yes. What, what is what is that? Yes. So Global Ties Network is the organization, the nonprofit organization that works with the Department of State to administer the funds for the IVLP program. They are also involved with the industry training, so making sure that we know the expectations, how to pro, um, program sharing best practices from director to director, from coordinator or programmer, whatever it may be, so that way this program can be administered to the to, to, to the high standards that the Department of State holds everyone to, but we also hold ourselves to. So they will work with our national program agencies and, dis, di, and disperse the funds. And, you know, and then it is the national program agencies that we work with. You know, as an example, my next one is with Meridian International, and I believe there are four other cities involved. So the group will first arrive into D.C., and they'll get a federal briefing. So they get a, a know-how of how the US works. And it's confusing, so think of it this way. We're, we're more like a continent with countries. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and it's hard to explain how we can be really the United States and we have federal rules and regulations, but each individual state determines yeah, yeah. <laughs> their own perception of what those rules are. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So. As confusing as it is for us sometimes, I can only imagine how it is for people who visit us from uh, foreign countries. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, this is such a a terrific program, and uh, you are an incredible spokesperson for it. And uh, we we certainly appreciate the time you've spent with us today. So how can people uh, get in touch with you if if they want to find out more or or perhaps, uh, you know, have an opportunity to host some of these uh, folks that are coming from uh, from other lands and and uh, have a, a real good learning experience at the same time. Absolutely. Well, they can do one of two things. They can definitely go to our website mm-hmm. and email there. But m- <clears throat> my email is a jasmine j a s m a n at w a c n h dot org. So a jasmine at w a c n h dot org. Email me. Say, I'm interested. Let's talk. <laughs> There's no commitment. It starts a dialogue conversation. Maybe this is right for you. Maybe it's not. Maybe you're a resource and you're starting a new organization or you've been around and I just haven't had an opportunity. So that's the thing is just because you haven't met with IVLP doesn't always mean that I don't know about you. So I will put together a proposal that will have nine resources and, the, and they may only choose two or three. And as you pointed out, it does not have to be. Big business, big business. Oh, goodness, it can no. be as as small as the yep. cafe uh, uh, yep. you just talked about in Durham. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, it's amazing that and and uh, you know the where were those people from again that were given the internship? They're from India. From India. Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, it it could it 
you know, it, it could happen in your workplace, wherever it you could. may be. Uh, no, no business is uh, too large or too small nope. uh, to get involved in this program. Nope. And, you know, we want diversity. We want inclusion. Um, this year, another highlight, we had a group empowering women's in political leadership. We had the first open trans parliament member wow. in Japan. Wow. Visiting here in the U.S., that is something. You know, so there's always there's always something. You know, you're surprised by our visitors. Our visitors are surprised by us. It's you, you want to learn. You want to meet new people. You want to have a better understanding. Email me. All right. And again, the email is? A. Jasmine, J-A-S-M-A-N, at W-A-C-N-H dot org. Well, Anise, uh, Anise, I should say, uh, Jasmine Sayers, you have been a, a, a tremendous guest, uh, given us uh, a lot of insight into the International Visitors Program through the uh, World Affairs Council of New Hampshire. And uh, the website is www.wacnh.org. W-A-C-N-H.org. Anise, thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. You have been a delight. Oh, you're so sweet. It's been awesome. And uh, we will be back tomorrow. The Friday Fun Bunch will be here making our NFL predictions for the weekend and a whole lot of other things to talk about as well. And if you missed any part of the program today with Anise, we'll repeat it for you right after 7 o'clock tonight. Here on WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in the Capital Region, 101.9 FM in Manchester, and around the clock at nhtalkradio.com. Have a great Thursday, everybody.